God's house this morning, where we will hear God's word, receive his forgiveness, and we'll be able to feast at the holy table, body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And our viewers this morning, whether wherever you are, we thank you for coming with us today on this journey uh, to see the Christ child. Uh, we are honored by your presence. May God's peace be with you. Let us stand, if you are able, for our confession and lighting of the Advent wreath. Will you light the candle of love then? Hmm? There we go. Thank you. Let us confess our, our sins this song. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God, who alone does wonders, who lifts up the lowly, who fills the hungry with good things. Amen. As we reflect, on the sanctuary of God's amazing grace, we gather around the candle of love. God's love is like an open door. God's love is a warm bed to fall into. God's love is a crackling fireplace. God's love is the roof over our heads and the floor beneath our feet. God's love is a home for all. Today, 
Mary's world turned upside down with the visit of an angel. This is a moment we can relate to because over the course of the last year and a half, our world has seemed to turn upside down more than once. When those moments come, we hope to respond with grace. But more often than not, fear can get the best of us. So today we turn to God in prayer, asking for God's guidance and grace in the places and moments we need it the most. Let us pray together now. God of safe spaces, we wish we were more like Mary, who in the face of great change went and sought help. She did not wait for help to come to find her. She walked to the shelter she needed. Family of faith, even if we miss the person standing on our doorstep, even if we fail to care for ourselves the way God would care for us, even if we forget and ignore, turn away and shut down, God still loves us. There is nothing we can do to lose God's love. Rest in this promise. If we get lost, if we mess up, if we withhold love, we are confident. Thanks be to God. Amen.
Let us pray together. Stir up your power, Lord Christ, and come. With your abundant grace and might, free us from the sin that binds us, that we may receive you in joy and serve you always. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The prophet Micah, having pronounced judgment upon Judah, speaks of a future shepherd king who, like David, will come from the small town of Bethlehem. Ephrathah refers to the area around Bethlehem. This king will restore Israel and bring peace. New Testament writers understood this passage to be referring to Jesus. A reading from Micah. But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, who are one of the little clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has brought forth. Then the rest of his kindred shall return to the people of Israel." and he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall live secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be the one of peace. Word of God, word of life. Our second reading is from Hebrews chapter 10. The author of Hebrews uses the image of religious sacrifice to convey the significance of Christ's coming. Through obedient acceptance of God's will, Christ allows his own body to become the greatest sacrifice of all, one through which we are made a holy people. A reading from Hebrews. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, See, God, I have come to do your will, O God. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. When he said above, You have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, these are offered according to the law. Then he added, See, I have come to do your will. He abolishes the first in order to establish the second. And it is by God's will 
that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Word of God, word of life. Thanks. Now let's try it. Gospel this morning, uh, St. Luke shares with us the story of Mary's visit to a relative, Elizabeth. But before we read the gospel, I, I want to bring us up to date uh, what happened prior in Luke's gospel story of the birth of the Savior, Jesus. A priest named Zechariah was married to Elizabeth. Both of them were devout Jews. They had no children. Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were getting up in age. When serving as a priest in Jerusalem, Zechariah was required to enter the sanctuary and offer incense as a gift to God. The people were praying outside. Suddenly, an angel, Gabriel, was standing before him. Needless to say, Zechariah was terrified. It's not every day an angel comes to pay you a visit. Gabriel told Zechariah that he and, his, and Elizabeth's prayers were soon to be answered. Elizabeth would get pregnant and they would have a son. Their son was to be called John, and he would lead many people to God. He would make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah questioned how this could possibly happen, as both he and Elizabeth were just too old to have any children. That response didn't sit very well with the angel. Gabriel chastised Zechariah and told him he would not be able to speak until the child was born. God had another job for the angel Gabriel to do. The angel was sent back to a backwater town in Galilee called Nazareth to visit Mary, a virgin engaged to Joseph. Gabriel told Mary she had found favor with God. You will conceive and bear a son, he says, and you will call him Jesus. That certainly startled Mary. How can this be? I'm a virgin. And Gabriel responds, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will give birth to a child, and name him Jesus, and he will be the Son of God. And that brings us to our gospel lesson this morning. Elizabeth, John's mother, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, are two women filled with the Holy Spirit and with faith. In Elizabeth's inspired greeting and Mary's song of praise, we hear of a saving God who remembers, scatters, lifts up, and fulfills all things. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and explained to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard that greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and the haughty ones. He has brought down the princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich are sent away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. This is the gospel of our Lord. 
Thanks be to you. Please be seated. Martin Luther loved Mary. You may already have known that, but I have regularly been surprised by how few Lutherans know that. I suspect that's because while Lutherans often know too little uh, about their Roman Catholic kindred, one of the things they do know is that Mary has a significant place in Roman Catholic piety. And so I assume Luther would not have been a fan but he was. He was a huge fan of Mary. To Luther, Mary represented the typical pattern of God's interaction with humans. Indeed, not just interaction, but election. That is, it wasn't Mary's goodness or innocence or beauty or even her willingness to serve God that Luther focused on. Rather, it was the plain and simple fact that God chose Mary to bear the Christ child. And that fact to Luther is not simply plain and simple, but also surprising, perhaps even shocking. God didn't choose a royal princess or a holy priestess, but a plain, at least in the eyes of the world, an utterly insignificant young girl. God chose her. God elected her, God addressed her, God honored her, and God elevated her. Nobody would have expected that, which is why Luther loved Mary, because she stands for all of us, all of us who have no right to expect God's attention and favor, and yet who are surprised to discover that God has chosen, elected, called, addressed, and honored each one of us. Which in turn helps explain Mary's response. She was surprised. She was frightened, even confused. Nevertheless, Mary, when she was chosen by grace to play this significant role, can only allow herself to be caught up in God's gracious plans, and so receives God's invitation in joy. When you think about it, the surprising choice of God isn't limited just to Mary, but rather it is a theme of Luke's whole story of the Nativity. Because no one would have imagined that the shepherds would have been found uh, to be, no one would have, excuse me, no one would have imagined that the shepherds would have been chosen as, a, as the audience of the angels. We tend to romanticize shepherds, but most folks in the first century would have found nothing romantic about them at all. At the bottom of the socioeconomic ladder, dirty and smelly because of their job, no social standing to speak of, shepherds were just a rung above outcasts. Yet the angels don't appear to those in the temple in Jerusalem or to the well-to-do of Bethlehem. Rather, they appear to the shepherds, the last people anyone would have expected. Matthew's account, though we don't read it this year, is no different. Why foreign kings and astrologers and not those of Israel? Why a poor carpenter and his fiancée? Why any of the people who figure so significantly in Matthew's story? Of course, once we get this far, we realize this is the paradigm of most of the entire biblical story. Why the Jewish nation and not one with greater armies and more territory? Why the strange assortment of characters that become prophets? Why the old childless Abraham and Sarah? Why the mischievous, it's not downright crooked Jacob? Why the adulterous King David? Why? Well, the list keeps going right on down, all the way, until you get to us. For those of us who will gather this Christmas Eve in our sanctuary and online, 
We are a rather motley crew, aren't we? We don't have our lives together as we should or even as we'd like. We come with a mix of hopes and fears, moments of faith, and an equal number of moments in failing. We come as those, finally, with no more right to confess God's attention, let alone God's favor, than Mary and the shepherds and all those we hear about in the Christmas story. We come as those who should not expect God's attention, but you know what? We leave as those who recognize, perhaps again, with some measure of surprise, maybe confusion, and even a bit of fear, that we are also those whom God has addressed, called, honored, and elevated. We are God's own beloved children, and the whole of the Christmas story, indeed the whole life of Jesus and death and the resurrection, it's intended to assure us of God's love and presence, that we might turn and share that good news with those around us. We've heard this story year after year, but I pray that it will be a surprise once more when we realize that in the birth of Jesus, we ourselves are reborn as children of God. St. John writes, Jesus was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become the children of God, who were born not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or the will of man, but of God. Sisters and brothers, young and old, male and female, Jesus' love for us is beyond our comprehension. We just can't figure it out. It's just too much. Jesus is coming, and he's coming soon. As we celebrated this morning, as we confessed this morning, God is lavish in loving us. God will always love us, no matter what. We are claimed, we are loved, we are forgiven. And that's the story for the fourth Sunday of Advent. And we look forward to spending the days ahead waiting to come to the stable and bend down low and see that poor, Jesus, that poor tiny little baby in that feed trough, the Savior of the world, the Savior for you and me. May you have a blessed week as you wait for the coming of the Savior. Amen.
Holy God, our prayers are often one lovely act of seeking. We bow our heads, we close our eyes, and we seek. We seek you, we seek belonging, we seek sanctuary. And what is comforting is that we know deep in our spirits that when we knock, we will find you. So today we pause our seeking to simply give you thanks. Thank you for the Elizabeths in our lives, the ones who have been there when we need them the most, the ones who have blessed us with joy, allowing our happiness to take up space in their lives, the ones who have opened the door for us and ushered us in. And thank you, not only for the Elizabeths in our lives, but for the strangers who have cared for us, for those older and wiser who paved the way before us, and for those who share no relation with us, but who love us like family. Our lives are undoubtedly better because of them. Gracious God, we also pray for those with an Elizabeth. We pray for those who do not have a hand to hold in the dark, who do not have a front porch to show up on, or even a porch to call their own. We pray for those in life transitions who care fear and anxiety alone. We pray for all who know loneliness in the face of hardship. We pray for those who may not be alone, but who still struggle with many of life's difficulties, especially Susan Bayman, Jesse Brock, Janice Daly, Gay Green, Debbie Hackett, Roberta Hardy, Alberta Holden, Merrill Holden, Paul Letts, Judy Nelson, Mary Lou Schofield, Lisa and Roger Strong, Bill Sutton, Ron Wagner, and those on our lips and in our hearts. Thank you for being our safe place, for always welcoming us home, for hearing our prayers even now as we offer our personal petitions. Now with joy in our hearts, we rejoice that you have heard us and will always be the one we can, we can come to whenever we seek you. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And also with you. Greet one another with God's love. Peace of the Lord. For those of our worshipers who are online this morning, uh, you are welcome to join us at the Lord's table. Uh, gather some bread and some wine, and when we commune, we commune with these words, the body of Christ for you, the blood of Christ shed for you. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior, Jesus Christ. You comforted your people with the promise of the Redeemer, through whom you will also make all things new in the day when he comes to judge the world in righteousness. And so, the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy are you, God of power and might. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the one who comes in your name. Hosanna in the highest. 
the beginning and the end, the giver of life. Blessed are you for the birth of creation. Blessed are you for the darkness and in the light. Blessed are you for your promises to your people. Blessed are you in the prophet's hopes and dreams. Blessed are you for Mary's openness to your will. Blessed are you for your son Jesus, the word made flesh. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread. He broke it, gave thanks, and gave it to all, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup. He gave thanks. He gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. With this bread and cup, we remember your word dwelling among us, full of grace and truth. We remember our new birth in his death and resurrection. We look with hope for his coming. Come, Come, Lord Lord Jesus. Jesus. Holy God, we long for your spirit. Come among us. Bless this meal. May your word take flesh in us. Awaken your people. Fill us with your light. Bring the gift of peace on earth. Come, Come, Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. All praise and glory are yours, Holy One of Israel, Word of God incarnate, power of the Most High, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. Come to the Christ banquet, feast on God's gift of grace. We'll start on this side, please.
Christ strengthen and preserve you in his grace. Let us pray. Most high God, you have come among us at this table. By the Spirit's power, form us to be the bearers of your word, sharing gifts of mercy and grace with all, through Jesus Christ, our host and guest. Amen. Thank you for worshiping with us today, especially online. We want to thank Pastor Pat Hahn for bringing God's message to us while Pastor Bill has taken a short um, vacation. Actually, I went online when I was out taking the count for today, and Pastor Bill is with us. He's joined us, and so, hi, Pastor Bill. It's great to have you with us today. Now, a few opportunities for us as we think about this upcoming week. We, of course, invite you back into um, the church for our Christmas Eve services. And we have two options for you. First of all, we're really excited about our grandparents and grandkids and family service. And um, we think it's just going to be wonderful. And so just a note for you grandparents who are bringing some kids with, us, with you, We'd like them here um, about 20 minutes early. And if they would be taken to the Perry Hall, we have angel costumes, we have shepherd costumes, we have Mary and Joseph, we have all kinds of costumes for the kids who are going to then come back into the worship area and tell the story of Jesus' birth. And we especially invite the children, if they'd like to help us fill up the manger with some animals, to bring us favorite stuffed animal along with them to church. And so um, we're really excited for that. And the service will have the bell choir and the adult choir. It's going to be a glorious celebration of Christ's birth. But <clears throat> now if that service might be a little chaotic, and well, there's a good chance it might be, and if you would prefer a quieter um, service, the 7 o'clock we're calling Mild and Tender. And that's going to be a very, very special service, too. We have the liturgical dance, we have some special music, and it's a, a reflective service, quiet. It's a, another way to usher in the birth of Jesus. Uh, and so we're excited. That's going to be our online service. And to help us, um, we have here um, what is our Easter, our <laughs> Easter, Christmas Eve um, in a bag. This is something we started last year, and it was in just wonderful when we couldn't be together. We handed out candles, we handed out bags with treats in it, so that you could worship at home. Well, now that we're worshiping together in person as well as online, we're still offering this. It's a way that if your family can't come, well, this is a way to have family worship sometime during this most holy time. But it's also a way for you to reach out to your neighbors and include them 
especially those who don't have a church, um, those who might need a time to connect um, to a faith community. And so we would invite you on your way out, please pick up a bag like this. And if you're online and you're not able to worship with us today um, here in the church, then come and stop by the church and pick up a bag. And um, we have lots of them here. So we're really excited, and this is a wonderful time. And um, again, we thank you for worshiping with us. Let us stand if you are able. <clears throat> Hear this assurance of grace. God has always loved you. He loves you now, and he will love you forever. This is the good news that brings us new life. So we go, trusting that the same God will bless us and keep us, that God's face will shine upon us with grace and mercy, and that God will look upon us with favor and give us peace. Amen. He has come to bring light to the darkness. He has come to bring freedom to the captives. He has come to restore the brokenhearted. It's time to proclaim the year of the Lord. Prepare the way. Prepare the way for our Redeemer. Prepare the way. Prepare the way for our Yeah. 